I try to understand everybody, I wouldn't get very far in life because I can't even understand myself at times. And so I don't need to try and figure anybody else out because I can't even do a very good job on my own. Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1 this evening. Last year when I became a chaplain for the police, one of the things they told me that they wanted me to do was to do some ride-alongs with the officers to get to know them. Because basically at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church here, and I pastor the people God puts in this church. But as a chaplain in the police department, I am pastoring police officers. And they need it. We all need it. I'm there to help minister to them in God's way. And I could give you stories. I was telling Caroline about someone that wanted nothing to do with church that actually might come visit our church soon. And went back to church for the first time a week ago and was letting me know about that and how awesome that is. It's a great thing. But I remember one of the first ride-alongs I went on. We were basically on Chino Avenue and Mountain, and we got this call on the, over the radio from a sergeant that there was something going on in the superior parking lot. Or, for those of you, superior, you know, that sounds a little bit better for some of you. It's, I say superior, and you know, or cardinals, and uh, you know, I know, I know, what do you expect? Look at me, what do you expect? I love the food that they produce, but let me just, I'm just going to be, you know, that's how I say it, and that's all good. Someone's trying to correct me on all that stuff the other day, how I said some of that, and I'm like, it's not going to get any better. I it's just the way it is. Uh, burritos, tacos, enchiladas, they all taste the same going down. You can say them one way or another, but it's good stuff. And so, but right next to the police station is where this happens. A call came in, and it said that this man was chasing this woman, and that he was beating her up, and it was going through this whole thing. So we went code three, which code three means you flip on the lights, and you get there as fast as you can. You're not supposed to do that very often, but when there's a, maybe a life or death situation, that's what you do. So we get there, and the first thing that happens is the guy gets taken into custody. And the girl's there telling her story. There are four other people out there. And they're like, you're getting it all wrong. He's not the one that hit her. She was hitting him. You got a call from someone seeing something, but there were four witnesses that saw what really took place. And over the next few minutes, we went to each one of those witnesses, and they're telling us, so, you know, some of the questions that are asked, when did this happen? About 10 minutes ago, or whatever. How did this happen? And you're asking the witnesses what they saw because we weren't there to see what took place. And the woman saying one thing happened, and the guy sitting on the, with handcuffs on saying, I didn't do anything. And how many times does someone say, I didn't do anything, and they did do something? How do you know? So there were these four witnesses. And what you do with a witness is you get their driver's license and their information. So when you make a report, you can... And in this instance, all four of them validated the fact that she punched him. Nailed him good. Now, he, now, I don't know if he was embarrassed. He didn't want to say anything about it. He wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, I'm fine. I think he was scared of her still, and that's what it was. But it ended up that because 
of all those witnesses, the right one got arrested at that time. Because the witnesses saw what took place. And being a witness, you see things that others might not see because you're literally there. You're an eyewitness account to what's taking place. We look at our text tonight, and we look here in Acts chapter 1. Let's read tonight 6 through verse number 11. The Bible says, Acts 1, verse 6 through verse 11, it says, when they, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, they, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Tonight we're going to take some time and we're going to look at the verse that makes up the entire book of Acts. One verse tells us and gives us God's plan for his church today. God's plans have not changed. God still desires to see the world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells us how we're supposed to do it. He's not called you to be a prosecutor. He's called you to be a defendant. He's called us to be witnesses of what Jesus has done in our lives. Witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. I thank you for your love, I thank you for your mercy, and I thank you for your grace. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for the book of Acts. pray you'd help us tonight as we look at this passage, apply it to our lives and our hearts and help us to grow in it. We need you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Next week, I was going to have it tonight, but I forgot. Sometimes I forget things. Not often, but every once in a while. Um, last, I got a video on Saturday from that church in Mexico, and there was a bus full of people going out witnessing, singing When We All Get to Heaven in Spanish. And they said the bus is getting used two to three times a week for the glory of God. And I thought that is so awesome. So next week I'll put the video up or I might put it up on Facebook. It's an awesome thing to see what would we would use for ball games and a few vacation Bibles for a few other things. It's getting used all the time for God's glory. That's what it's all about. And that's an awesome thing that because of you being willing to part with it, we're able to do. And that's awesome. When we look tonight and we get ready to dive into the sermon... I thought back to that day as I was with that officer, and what we thought was one thing ended up being completely different. We are called to be witnesses. 
the disciples that day, they were called to be witnesses. We're all called to be witnesses. This passage lays out lots of things to help us in this area. My outline is very simple tonight. It's not very hard. All I'm going to do is I'm going to ask some of the questions that you ask a witness. When? How? Where? What? Why? It's all found in these verses that we read tonight. The disciples had some ideas. They had the way they thought things were going to go. But we see how the Lord wants a witness to be. Number one tonight, we see when. When. The first thing that we see is the disciples were focused on Christ establishing his kingdom. We see there in verse number six, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Oh, that's verse four. Verse six. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. They were still focused on this. Now you might, and over and over again, Lord, when are you going to restore your kingdom? Now, sometimes I look at the disciples with this, and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? But you know, they did believe that Jesus is Lord and that he's sovereign Lord. So they're like, when are you going to do it? Because they knew he was the guy that's going to do it. They had that figured out now. And they were excited about it. But Jesus lets them know, hey guys, the Father is going to take care of that. It's in his power. You need to focus on right now. You've got a job to do. You've got something coming, and you better focus on the now. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about prophecy. Don't worry about those things. Focus on now. Look at what it says there. Look at verse 10. It says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their question. Guys, again, really? That probably would have been my answer. Come on. Come on, man. I don't know, I don't know if I would have said that or what it would have been. But he, he doesn't say that. He says, guys, the Lord knows, the, God knows, the Father knows those things. Don't worry about that. Let's focus on now. You've got a job to do. Hey, church, may I just help you? I know the book of Acts was written, and these verses here are written to the disciples and what they were about to do and turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you of something tonight. Uh, focus on now. Who are you talking to now about Jesus? What are you doing for the Lord today? Far too many people are focused on the future. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know if you're going to make it past tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to make it to tomorrow. All I know is I'm here at 6... 40 on Sunday night. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. The Lord doesn't come. I'm probably going to keep preaching. I don't know if I'm going to get done on time tonight. I don't have a clue. Say, what is on time? Whenever I end. That's what being on time is. That's, that's the way it works. And uh, I thought about that a while back. On Sunday nights, I've been trying to be nice to the, to the kids' workers and things, but at the end of the day, they let those kids play outside half the time anyways. Those kids should be in learning the Bible more than what they do anyways. They could take a few more minutes, and it's all right. It would be all right to let church go a little longer. We could live with that. You'd be all right. You can go to a movie house and watch a three-hour movie, and you're fine, and you want five more minutes of it, but the pastor preaches 40 minutes, and that's just a little too long for you. Just relax there. 
Let's just focus on, and that's, hey, that's a great lesson too. Just focus on now. You're in God's house. Don't worry about what's going to happen when you get out tonight. Just focus on now and get something from God right now. That's preaching right there. I could go on off on that one for a while, but I'm going to stop there because I'm running out of time for everything else. But we see a witness win. Hey, guys, focus on the now. Number two, the who. Who is God going to use here? It's interesting. What were the disciples waiting for? Hey, when is God going to establish his kingdom? And God says, hey, guys, i got to let you know something. He's getting ready to use you. You're going to receive power. You're going to do something. They're the who. They're going to do something for God. Yes, the Lord is coming, and yes, God has everything under his timetable, and we understand all of that. But we notice it says here, you look at verse number 8, but ye shall receive power. Hey, you're going to be the ones that go do my work when I leave in just a minute. Quit worrying about the future and when the kingdom's going to come and do the work I have for you now. May I just tell you something today? The disciples are not here anymore. They died a long time ago. Guess who God uses today? You. Me. The who is us. There is no Peter tonight to go and do the work. There's no Paul anywhere to go do the work. God uses his people to do his work. That's the who, the disciples, the ones who were scared, the ones who were hidden in that upper room, the ones they had a job to do. I love J. Vernon McGee said this, it is, it's our business to get the word of God out to the world. It's our job to do that. You know, we look and we look at the, what Jesus says here and the command that he gives. This command is for us today as well. I know we look and we look at the Bible here like, well, the book of Acts, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Well, where are the disciples today? Where are the apostles today? Where are God's people? They all are gathered in this room, right? So God's people that are gathered in this room are the ones that need to do the work of God. We see the when, it's now. The who is the disciples, or it could include us here tonight as we look at these things. Now the question becomes, how is this going to happen? How can we do God's work? If God's called us to do something, one of the things I know about God is that he equips us to do what he's called us to do. I remember when God called me to preach, called me to pastor, the first thing I told God is no. Just like that, no. I can't speak in front of people. People irritate me, and I don't want to deal with people. I'd rather stick in my own little hole and never deal with anybody ever. No. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. If God called me to pastor, there's a lot more to pastoring than just preaching, but it is part of it. If God called me to do it, he's going to give me the tools I need to do it. The Lord looked at, Jesus looked at the disciples there and he said, guys, don't worry about the future. Focus on right now. 
And yes, God's going to be doing a mighty work, and God knows, and God is in control of all things, but he's getting ready to use you. And he's going to use you and fill you with power to do the job that he has for you to do. If you notice there, it says, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you see the promise that the Holy Spirit would give them everything they needed to do for the Lord? God gave them that promise. There's nothing that you can't do that God calls you to do with the Holy Spirit's help. You know the biggest problem we have today? We try and do on our own. And the same thing Jesus said in John 15 is very true today. Without me, you can do nothing. And you know what? One of the big problems in our churches today is we have a lot of big, powerless churches today. We have a lot of small, powerless churches as well. We need power of God to do God's work. And you'll notice something. The word power is used ten times in the book of Acts. It's where we get the word dynamite from. The power of the Holy Spirit. Hey guys, I want you to focus on the now and God's going to use you to do something great and He's going to give you the power to be able to do this. And this power is going to come from the Holy Spirit. Do you notice that as we see it here? The Holy Spirit plays an important part in it. Acts 4 verse 31 tells us, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Do you see that there? You got to understand something tonight. The Bible doesn't say here you're going to be witnesses and then receive power. No, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit of God, and then you're going to be my witness. Man, I hear Christian after Christian, I can't witness. In all honesty, that's true. You and I can't do a very good job of witnessing. But if you're a child of God, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you tonight, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you have no excuse not to be a witness. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you were a witness? When's the last time your life showed a witness? When's the last time you shared what Christ has done in your life. You know the problem why most people are not witnesses and most people don't share their faith? Because they're not filled with the Spirit of God. Don't tell me you're filled with the Spirit of God and you haven't witnessed someone in years. Then the Bible's a lie. Might as well throw the book of Acts out. Because they were when they were filled with the Spirit, they went and they shared their faith everywhere. I can't do, I know you can't, neither can I. But with the Holy Spirit's help, you can. You can be a witness. And we see these things tonight before our very eyes. And you got to understand something. Without the power of the Spirit, we are powerless. But the problem today is we have a lot of Christians that, den- that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. He can give you the power that you need to do what he's called you to do. We don't have a Holy Spirit problem today. We have a people of God problem today. 
The Spirit is no different today than what he was in the book of Acts. He's no different. He's not a respecter of persons and does more for one of the apostles than he would do for you. No, if you, if you yield yourself to the Spirit and let the Spirit work in your life, you can have his power. The problem is we run with our flesh. And we let the flesh run the show. We need the power of God. In this passage, we see some things. When's, what do we need to be worried about now? Right now. Like, hey, don't worry about next Sunday, what's going to take place next Sunday. Worry about today. Hey, if tomorrow gets here and it gets to be Monday, worry about Monday who you're going to share your faith with. Worry about on Monday that you're going to read your Bible. Worry about on Monday that you're going to spend time in prayer with the Lord. Worry about on Monday you're going to be a good dad to your kids. Worry about on Monday being a good spouse to your spouse. Hey, guys, don't worry about the coming kingdom. Focus on now. And God's going to do a work, but he's going to use you to do this work. And don't worry, you're not going to do it on your own. I'm going to give you my spirit to help you do this. And we look and we keep on reading here. And as we go a little bit further, we see the what. What are we going to do? We're going to be witnesses. Shall be witnesses. We read verse number 8 there, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Hey, guys, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be witnesses for me. You see that right there? And as we look at that and we think about that and that fan clanking back there, sometimes I think the devil just allows little things just to make noise, just to try to throw things off just a little bit in the service. And uh, if it keeps doing that, Joe, just grab the um, thing in there and turn it off because I'd rather have you pay attention and be hot than be cool and hear that noise all night long. Ye shall be witnesses. Jesus says, you are my witnesses. Hey, the disciples, they saw firsthand. Do you know, I believe it's 29 times in the book of Acts the word witness is used. About being witnesses. I believe it's 29 times. You say it's 30. Then you count that and let me know, okay? I believe it's 29. I could be wrong. What did we, what do we hear over and over again? Hey, this Jesus, he was the real deal. I saw him rise from the dead. I saw him before us. He lives, and I'm here to share with you what he's done in my life. How about Paul? Everywhere he went, hey guys, I was on Damascus Road. I was persecuting the church. I was an awful guy, but I met Jesus that day, and he changed my life. Paul gets to another place. I was on Damascus Road one day, and I saw the light. He gets arrested, and he goes before those high-up politicians and whoever the case may be. One day on Damascus Road, I was there, and Jesus changed my life. What was he doing? He was witnessing and attesting to what Jesus had done. Did that in 1 Corinthians 15, right? Hey, he was seen of Cephas. He was seen of the others. He was seen of over 500 at one time. And on Damascus Road, I saw him too. And I'm here to share him with you. That's what witnessing is. Last time I checked, you're not called to be a fruit inspector. There are a lot of Christians that think they're fruit inspectors. 
you're not a fruit inspector. You can't see a heart. When you can see a heart and you know what a heart looks like, then you can start inspecting fruit. I just don't know if they meant it. I don't know if you meant it with your attitude either. I'd be more worried about yourself than someone else. You go off and worry about, you know, look in the mirror, bud. Or lady, whoever you are. Look in the mirror at yourself. I, I just don't know. I don't see any fruit in their lives. And that attitude you have is bearing fruit. That's the fruit of the Spirit on display, right? That ha- don't give me that. Don't, you're not a fruit inspector. You're called to be a witness of what the Lord has done in your life. Well, the Lord's done nothing in my life. Then there you go. There you go. You might want to get that settled and figured out, and then maybe you could be a witness. Man, if you could just take some of the stuff we studied this morning on the Lord's Supper, talk about his body being broken for us and his blood being shed for us there's a lot to witness about right there hey what he's done in your life and in your family's life there's a lot that could be said man the disciples went around witnessing and sharing their faith and remember how uh, they told them hey you cannot speak in the name of jesus anymore but we can't we can't only speak the things we have seen and heard right we have to speak those things. And I know there's another guy that Jesus healed him, and they said, this I know that I was blind, but I can see now there's something about this guy. I got to share that with you. He did something in my life. Man, have we lost the awe and the wonder of what God's done in our lives to save a wretched sinner like you and me? This world needs that. You know, that pro-abortion rallies I was talking about yesterday, they need God's people to share God's good news with them. That's what God could do in your life. Hey, it's not your job to murder one of God's children. God's the author of life, isn't he? And he should be the taker of life. Him only. We don't have the right to take innocent life. That's not for us to do. And God takes great, God despises our children being offered to Molech. There's a lot more I could say about that. But what's the what that we're going to do? We're supposed to be witnesses. Witnesses for him. And then we look at number five. Well, where are we going to do this? Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. It's all laid out right before our eyes. Hey, guys, don't worry about later. Focus on right now. You're going to do something big through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you, and you're going to do something big for me. And you're going to be, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a witness. He didn't even say they were going to be a preacher. He said they are going to be a witness. We can all be witnesses. Every single one of us can be a witness. Where are we going to do this? Well, guys, we're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That is God's plan for the gospel. What is God's goal and plan for the church? That we would reach our Jerusalem. What is our Jerusalem? Chino. That is our Jerusalem. We see, and uh, let me look at the notes so I don't jump ahead in all those things. So we see the where, letter A, we see Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is where they were headquartered out of there. Jerusalem is a special city. That was their place. The church would start there on the day of Pentecost and move forward. And if you want to say 
start before the day of Pentecost, I have no problem with saying that either. I don't, I think that that's, I don't believe, I believe they were a called out assembly and they were gathered together before they had the day of Pentecost because they were added unto them at Pentecost. But anyways, that's just Brian's two thoughts on that. But our Jerusalem tonight is Chino. It is our responsibility to focus on right now and to let God use us through his power to reach this city for Jesus Christ. But not just Chino. Letter B, Judea. The surrounding cities. Our county. Letter C, Samaria, Pomona. San Francisco, well, Los Angeles, the cities we don't like as much. California would be a great place if you just threw out San Francisco and Los Angeles and Hollywood, right? They can make their own little state there, curve them out and take it and you know what I'm you know what I mean when I say that. The godlessness is just ridiculous. It's not much better here, but but the Samaritans, they're supposed to go to the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. You notice in Jesus' ministry, he went to Samaria? He showed them what they were supposed to do. Hey, you're supposed to go to your city. You're supposed to go to your county. You're supposed to go to your country. You're supposed to go to the other continents. Letter D, the ends of the earth. God's plan is for his people to be witnesses everywhere. Hey, church, let me just help you out tonight. It's not enough just to witness in the city of Chino and say we've done what God's called us to do. We're supposed to be witnesses everywhere. Say, well, we live in Chino. How can we be a witness in Africa? There are missionaries that are there. We help missionaries do their work. We support missionaries. We pray for missionaries. I wonder, when's the last, have you prayed for our missionaries lately? I hope you do. It's an important thing to do. They need our prayers. We partner with them. I believe more important than the money that we give them is the prayers that we give to God on their behalf. But it's not enough just to take the gospel to our, but this is the thing. Some people think, oh, I spend my money and I support foreign missions, that's good enough. If you're, not support, if you're not going out and being a witness where you live, you might as well start there and then start spreading out everywhere else. We're called to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't that what the Bible says? We're supposed to go everywhere with the gospel. It's so important. A couple things that we'll notice that I'll give you, and we're just about done here tonight. A couple observations on Acts 1.8 is the fact that this verse is the key verse that outlines where the gospel went through the book of Acts. In chapters 1 through 7, what did the disciples do and what did the early church do? They focused on Jerusalem. I really sincerely believe why God brought persecution on the church was to get them moving. They stayed in Jerusalem. He didn't say, you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Worry about Jerusalem. No, he said, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happens in chapters 1 through 7, they focus on Jerusalem. Persecution comes. 
then we see in chapters 8 through chapter number 11, we see the gospel moves to Judea and Samaria. And you see Gentiles being saved. And you see God doing a work. And then we see from chapter 11 through chapter 28, the gospel got all the way to Rome. Do you see how this, how Acts 1-8 is an outline for the entire book? And as I mentioned before, well, the gospel penetrated, and the last thing there, penetrated Jerusalem. It took persecution to get them to spread out and to do what God wanted them to do. Don't worry about later. Don't worry about prophecy. Worry about right now. Yes, God's got a work to do, but God's going to use you to do things. He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called you to do. Well, what's he called me to do? He's called me to be a witness. Where am I supposed to be a witness? Everywhere. Why should I be a witness? Lastly, why? Because Jesus is coming again. Verse 9 through 11. Let's read those there, and we're rounding the finish line right now. And when he had spoken these things, while they, be, while they beheld, he was taken up out of their sight, and a cloud received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The word gazing or looking, it means to fasten your eyes upon. And this verse, it doesn't give the thing. They were not excited looking up. It's almost as if they were kind of heartbroken that he was leaving. But he wasn't leaving forever. He's coming again. And he gave them his substitute, which was important for them to accomplish what they needed to do. They needed Jesus to leave to get the substitute so they could do the work of God.